Words matter. They can change the course of your day. Just listen. You are brave. You are stronger than you think. You have value, worth, and dignity. Don't you feel better already? Welcome to Speak Healing Words, the podcast. Join author and board-certified life coach Janelle Reardon as she opens a very important conversation about the power of our words. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 1 of the Speak Healing Words podcast. I am Janelle Reardon, your host for this special time together. I'm so glad you have found your way here and I promise to give you my best. I want you to learn all about the threefold cord of emotional health and spiritual authenticity, a healthy sense of self, healthy behavior patterns, and healthy communication skills. Without a doubt, I am 100% convinced that when this threefold cord is in practice in our lives, our lives are so rich and so meaningful and we will flourish. I just know it. Over the next few episodes, we're going to be spending four weeks in Ephesians 4. In my newest book, Overcoming Hurtful Words, Rewrite Your Own Story, I introduce this ancient text in the introduction of my book. And as in book writing, you cannot really put everything in the book. So that's why I have created this podcast, not only so that we can go deeper into subject matter that's in my book and my books, but also for my clients and readers and listeners who want more. When I meet with a client, and I do intensive, so it's typically anywhere from probably about two hours on an average. And in those intensives, we cover a lot. And we do move through the process I curated, the Heartlift Method, Reflect, Reframe, and Reauthor Your Story at a beautiful pace. But so often when they leave my beautiful space, my office, I go, oh, I wish we had said this or that or the other. So I probably should have called this podcast Overflow. Because here is where we have an opportunity to really go into the overflow. What is left unsaid? What we just want to know more about? I am a voracious learner. I love to learn and study and grow. I want you to have the same passion towards life and growth as I do. Because I believe that we are always learning. Ankara Impara. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to take the 32 verses in Ephesians 4 and really put our boots on and dig deep. So let's get started. What do you say? Life is all about beginnings. And so here at our very first episode in season two, I wanted to open the pages of Overcoming Hurtful Words and and revisit practice three, choose healthy over unhealthy, and just remember how critical beginnings are. Every crushed heart has a story. Well, every heart has a story, doesn't it? And as in every great story, there's a beginning, middle, and end. Each part is critical to the whole. But nothing is more powerful 
than the beginning. Great men and women have debated the power of beginnings for centuries. Plato, the ancient philosopher, argued that the beginning is the most important part of any work. Well, we can't argue with that. Screenwriter Graham Greene writes, A story has no beginning or end. Arbitrarily, one chooses that moment of experience from which to look back or from which to look ahead. And British novelist Mary Shelley, the brilliant author of Frankenstein, believed that the beginning is always today. All three of these sage minds offer keen insight, but I'm leaning towards Shelley's perspective. Oh, my friends, today is no ordinary day. It is a day, your day, for a brand new beginning. It is your day to take the eraser of God's grace and love and begin overcoming unhealthy with healthy. You know, we Every heart has a beginning, and your heart had its very own beginning. So today, I'm going to ask you to take a few quiet moments over the next few days before we meet again to consider your heart's beginning from the moment you were born, from the moment you were conceived, actually. It was shaped by those who held it first. Oh, the good, the bad the ugly. A funny thing about our beginning is we had absolutely no control over it, right? We didn't get to choose our mothers or fathers. The early formation years, critical, because during this time, we absorb the emotional energy of our earliest caregivers. Wow. Listen, listen in here. Lean in. Their words our caregivers, verbal, their actions, nonverbal, and their beliefs, the framework through which they looked at life, create an emotional atmosphere in our homes, in our home, in our beginning. And this emotional atmosphere greatly influences our emotional development. Oh, I am pounding the table here. Can you hear me? It is in their care we learn to relate as future parents and spouses, siblings and children, workers and co-workers, congregants and citizens. We watch, we listen, we replicate, we emulate. Renowned psychiatrist Dr. Bessel van de Kolk writes, Some experiences imprint themselves beyond where language can reach. These myriad connections formed in the beginning of our lives often imprint on our psyche. They fold into our brain and they prove to be tenuous and complex. Oh my goodness, they hold an innate potential for heartbreak and hard feelings. And if we are honest, they also can hold just a little bit of hell on earth. You know my story, and if you don't, season one is pretty much about that. Grew up in an alcoholic home, had a very strong Catholic mother. She was one of the first women Marines, so you can bet your 
bottom dollar that I learned to be a bit tough around. (laughs) Yeah, buck up, baby. And so in this emotional atmosphere where my father's alcoholism caused such havoc in my early development and in my life, honestly, I, I caught more than I was taught. And so a lot of my story that you can read on my blog and newsletters and all the other places where I've written and especially in Overcoming Hurtful Words, I talk a lot about how those early years stay with us. <laughs> and then we have to do the hard work of transformation. Yes, we do. And one of the beautiful, beautiful gifts that was given to me in my late 20th and real early 21st year was that I was introduced to the man called Jesus. I don't talk a lot about my Christianity, but I'm going to be doing that in these next four weeks because it is my framework. It is the framework, the worldview, the way I move through this journey we call life. This man called Jesus came into my life and he changed my heart. And I want to read a few words before we read in Ephesians from a very beautiful book that I found when I was writing my next book. And I just signed my contract with Ravel Books and I am over the moon for my next book, which will be coming out early January 2021. Quite a long wait, but it is about nine tools for emotional health. And boy, oh boy, I cannot, cannot, cannot wait to put that in your hands. And in that book, I write a lot more about this man called Jesus that happened to find me and love me and transform my heart pretty close to my 21st birthday in October of 1980. Yeah, you do the math. So author Marcus J. Borg writes in this beautiful book, Meeting Jesus Again for the First Time, A Historical Jesus in the Heart of Contemporary Faith. Marcus Borg offers us this beautiful frame for this man called Jesus. And A lot of my struggle and a lot of what I write about in Overcoming Hurtful Words was this journey that I was wrestling with my faith. Having been wounded emotionally, seriously, within the walls of a church by a church leader really served as a tipping point in my faith. Definitely my faith in people of the faith. I cannot say it shook my love for God or my love for Jesus, but it truly shook my love for the church or the community of faith, going into a church and being a part of a church. And to the point where I, my husband and I took about four months of just real rest, sabbatical, praying, thinking, meditating, seeking, visiting churches, taking some time off until I found my current church, which is 
so lovely and so healthy and has really wooed me back to wanting to be in church. So full disclosure, I definitely had a wrestling match with not God, not Jesus, not the Holy Spirit, but his church. And had to come to a reckoning and to a reconciliation with the church as a system. And I'm so grateful for the grace of God and for the love of man and for the people that I now uh, go to church with because they truly do image Jesus. And so in this beautiful book by Marcus Borg, Meeting Jesus Again, he writes, Jesus used imagery of the heart to speak of the need for an internal transformation. For Jesus, as for ancient Jewish psychology generally, the heart represented the self. We talk about our sense of self, our identity, who we are at its deepest level. When the heart is centered in the finite, or we might say the tangible, it becomes closed and hardened rather than open and receptive. What is needed then is a new heart, an internal transformation brought about by a deep centering in God. So back to my words here in Overcoming Hurtful Words, I take you on my own personal journey of extracting the finite, not looking at people or a place, but coming away and really turning my gaze back unto God and his son Jesus outside of a religious system. I had to meet Jesus again, and I spent time reading his journey here on earth in the Gospels, in the New Testament, in a book that is my favorite book, the Bible. So when I would read and reread and look and study and consider who was this man called Jesus outside of religion or outside of what I had been taught within the system of different religious expressions, charismatic, Catholic, Methodist, and now I am in the Presbyterian community of faith. I stepped away from all of that. My husband and I did, and we really just spent some time knowing Jesus. And that brought about looking into the infinite. And that also brought about a new heart. It shifted the way that I looked at my faith. It became very personal and very relational. I love this. Marcus Borg continues, Here, the thoroughgoing monotheism of Jesus and of Judaism itself can be most clearly seen. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. It's one of the first commandments we're given in the Bible. This is the essence of the narrow way of Jesus. Indeed, one can see his alternative wisdom as a radicalization of the first commandment, which set it over against the conventions of tradition, even the conventions of sacred tradition. For it is possible, now hear me here, lean in, to be centered in sacred tradition and yet have one's heart far from God. So Borg is saying here, we can go to church five times a week, prayer meetings, 
We can do a devotional every day and check it off the list and have a prayer time that has a prayer list. All good things. But when those transfer to religious practices that we check off on a list and just become these rote, legalistic things that keep us bound, we can very much so become far from the heart of God, from relationship. Religion takes the place of that. He continues, as one who knew God, Jesus knew God as the compassionate one, not as the God of requirements and boundaries. Although he is a God of requirements and boundaries, but they're grace-led. They are not law-led. The life to which he invited his hearers was the life in the spirit that he himself had experienced. The narrow way, the road less traveled, a life centered in the spirit of God. The way of Jesus also challenges many common forms of Christianity, as already noted. In particular, it invites us to move from secondhand religion to firsthand religion. And here's the key. This is what I really want us to take away um, in our time together today. Secondhand religion, writes Borg, is a way of being religious based on believing what one has heard from others. It consists of thinking that the Christian life is about believing what the Bible says or what the doctrines of the church say. First-hand religion, on the other hand, consists of a relationship to that to which the Bible and the teachings of the church point, namely that reality that we call God or the Spirit of God. This transformation from second-hand religion to first-hand religion, from living in accord with what one has heard to life centered in the spirit is central to the alternative wisdom of Jesus and to the Jewish tradition to in which he stood. I just love it. The gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus's own message is that there is a way of being that moves beyond both secular and religious conventional wisdom. The path of transformation of which Jesus spoke leads from a life of requirements and measuring up. Do you hear me here? Whether to a culture, a system, or to God, and into a life of relationship with God. It leads from a life of anxiety to a life of peace and trust. It leads from the bondage of self-preoccupation to the freedom of of self-forgetfulness. It leads from life centered in culture or systems to life centered in God. That, my friends, is what Paul, the Apostle Paul, is trying to unfold in Ephesians 4. So let's look at Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 16, just today. He begins, here we are at the beginning of Ephesians 4, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and patient and gentle, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. What he's saying here is like when I was called and invited 
to meet this man called Jesus. We call that salvation, coming to the knowledge of Jesus's role and rule in our life. Verse 5, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Note that word all. Verse 7, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. Verse 9, what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. I'm going to skip down to verse 14. When we know this God and we know his son Jesus, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves of culture, the waves of systems. That is, I'm adding my words here, that is painting a picture of fear and confusion, isn't it? If we're no longer tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there and everywhere by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Notice the word men there. So verse 15, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into God who is the head, that is his son Christ. From him, the whole body, Speaking of the body of Christ, everyone who follows after the teachings of Jesus, Christians, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. These words that Paul speaks to us about growing up and no longer being infants really reminds me of 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11, where Paul tells us his story. He says, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I acted like a child, but then I grew up. When I became a grown-up, he says, when I became a man, we could put when I became a woman, I grew up. I put behind me all of my childish ways. What we're going to take away in this episode today, the beginning of our four weeks in Ephesians 4, is that we want to grow up, don't we? That's why we're here. We, as members of the Speak Healing Words community, are committed to growing up and walking and working and being in life as a grown-up, a mature person, a person who has made a very firm decision to put away childish things. What did Paul mean by that? Well, I just couldn't help but go to the Greek and look at what it means to put away. In the Greek, and excuse my translation, kategoreo. Kind of sounds like category, doesn't it? Kategoreo is a verb that means to render idle, be unemployed, to inactivate and make inoperative, to cause a person or a thing to have no further efficacy or efficiency, to deprive something of its force, its influence, or its power. 
So when he is saying, put away childish things, he is saying, put away, deny, render idle, inactivate, don't give any further force or influence or space in your life for childish things. Childish things being napios, napios, meaning those things that are unskilled or untaught. So what Paul is telling us in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, put away childish things, is you're not a child anymore. I am 59 years old. It would be pretty foolish if I still laid on the floor and had a tantrum, right? And flailed my arms and legs and kicked my feet like my little three-year-olds used to do. They couldn't handle their emotions. They had no ability, no emotional regulation. They were unskilled, untaught. But I can't say that anymore. I am a grown-up. So even if my beginning in my family of origin, even if more was caught that was unhealthy and dysfunctional, Even if I was unskilled then on how to handle my emotions and how to have emotional regulation, I can't have that excuse anymore. I can't have it. Because especially now in the 21st century, I've got Google at my hands. I can search anything and come up with steps How can I handle my anger? I can put that in Google and I will get a plethora of articles and equipment and resources that help me right away. I can't say my parents had that same privilege. I didn't have that privilege when I was raising my children. We didn't have cell phones and Google and the internet. I'm feeling so old right now. But I do now. And so even though my beginning may have been misshapen. I have an opportunity today to have a a fresh start, a new beginning. I can put away childish things today. So I challenge you here at the end of our time together, what one childish way would you like to leave behind you and move into a more mature expression of your life in 2019. Me, it was a hard choice. Drum roll, please. People pleasing. I'm still not there. As much work and heart work as I have done in heart care and therapy, and training, and studying, and praying, and developing practices to put into place so that I will not let human opinion disable me, I am still tripping over people-pleasing. I, Bottom line, man, I just want you to like me. And in my old narrative, I would have done whatever it took. I'm like a chameleon. If you're familiar with the Enneagram ancient typing system of understanding your personality and the motives behind your behavior, I'm an Enneagram 2 slash 3. You can barely tell the difference. And both of those, uh, Enneagram has nine different personality typings and 
Mine is the helper and uh, Enneagram threes are ambitious and they're doers and I am just guilty of both. And so both are in the heart triad. I want you to love me and I want to love you. And so whatever I have to do for you to love me, I'm just going to be this little chameleon. No, no, no. That's my old narrative. I now know because of the beautiful heart work I've done through overcoming hurtful words and my next book project and just studying uh, Ephesians and Paul's words and looking at the life of Jesus. <sighs> I am so proud to say that I know that I know I have value, worth, and dignity, and I am clothed in that strength and dignity, and therefore, I don't need anyone else to validate me or tell me I'm worth something. I know that I know that I know in my heart of hearts that God loves me, and now I actually love myself. I'm comfortable in my own skin. I do not need to perform any mighty acts or do anything to know that. I just now know it. It's a miracle. And I want that for you. I want you to live into that in 2019 so that you can express that beautiful sense of self and that beautiful life of yours and offer your gifts and talents and time and treasures to everyone in your sphere of influence. That's just all I have for you today. And I pray that you have a wonderful, wonderful week. And I will see you next time. Don't forget to meet me, please, on my website, JanelleRairden.com. I'm going to spell it for you because both of those names are a bit unusual. J-A-N-E-L-L-R-A-R-D-O-N.com. Hashtag me or at Speak Healing Words, at Janelle Rarden, and you'll find me. Please meet me over on my website and subscribe to my e-newsletter and my blog so that you can truly become your God-breathed, beautiful self. Life is way too short to waste any, any time not being your truest self. See you next time. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and conversation, please join the Speak Healing Words community at JanelleReardon.com.